hosting the Two Blokes Talking Tech. Proudly provided by Web Central. Now, it's time for Two Blokes Talking Tech. There is a lot going on in technology, as always. About technology. It's fantastic to get these speeds on a mobile phone, isn't it? The speeds on this thing are amazing. Two blokes talking tech. Very nice, snappy performance. It's a good phone. Yeah, there's a few pros and cons with this. With Trevor Long from yourtechlife.com. Now, my advice to people who like this kind of service is... And Stephen Fennick from techguide.com.au. I really like this new service. Gives you that flexibility to hear your music anywhere. Two blokes talking tech. Stephen and Trevor always providing the best advice. Lots to talk about on Two Blokes Talking Tech. This is Two Blokes Talking Tech. And you have downloaded episode 191 of Two Blokes Talking Tech, uh, the show where we talk about the latest news in the week of technology. My name's Trevor Long from EFTM.com.au and joining me each and every week and a little bit more last week, Stephen Fennick from techguide.com.au. G'day, mate. G'day, Trevor. Yeah, it was each and every day while we are in Vegas. You but, loved it. Uh, you loved it was... every minute of it. Absolutely, yes. I'm actually missing you, not seeing oh. you every day, mate. But oh. uh, now that we're uh, we've both safely touched down here in Sydney, and uh, yeah, ready ready to get into another episode for our loyal listeners. And we do it all thanks to the good people at Netgear. Netgear.com.au. We'll tell you about them shortly. But let's kick it off with another episode 191. Two blokes talking tech. Two blokes talking tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. And now I know it. Feels like we've done CES to death, but we want to reflect on CES because, I mean, this is not just any old show. This is a show, which, and we'll talk about this in a bit, that really does define the year ahead for technology. So having spent day after day after day, I think, did we do five episodes of, or four? Four. Five. Five episodes of, of Two Bikes Talking Tech last week. Um, you know, that, that's that's a lot of discovery every day and, and a different method of discovery. You, you get a different time. So it's a little different to reflect back and go, if you only had to pick three or four things, what would you look back on? And I think to kick it off, Steve, oh, I can't go past. I think we have to talk about televisions, even though whenever people have asked me in the last 24 hours, oh, what was the biggest thing there? I'd say, you know what? It wasn't a TV. I don't think that there was a. I actually don't think there was a standout product this year. I think that there's a lot of little things. And so for me, the pick of the TVs is actually the Sony because OLED's great. We've seen it. Curved is great. We've seen it. 4K is great. We've seen it. But Sony did something impressive just in design. They designed a TV that for 50% of the height of the TV, it's only 0.49 of a centimeter. This is super thin. It's it's a magnificent-looking device that will sit in your lounge yeah. room proudly. And the other thing is, deep within it, it, Sony has done a lot, like the other companies, on the on the software, the processing, the picture, to give us a better picture quality. Oh, I, I love that TV, mate. Absolutely, yeah. No, I'm a big fan of Sony's designs. They've got great picture quality on their TVs, and that TV you speak of is actually thinner than the Xperia Z3 smartphone, if you can believe that. That's a, that's a remarkable achievement right there. But I think my pick of the TVs, though, I'd have to go with OLED, the LG OLED. They've Not only have they got OLED, which offers really great black levels and magnificent colors, but the fact that it's 4K UHD just ticks it up to the next level once again. Um, I think the nice 77-inch curved 4K OLED would be my pick of the televisions there. <laughs> sure and, it would uh, be. <laughs> that would uh, look rather smart in my lounge room right over here. I um, I look forward to uh, the kicker being when we get these products, how much these products land for in Australia. But I, I, I don't review a lot of TVs in my year. You, you get a lot more time and, and effort to put into TVs. And plus, you, you, you kind of know your TV picture quality better than anyone mm-hmm. I know. But I do look forward to getting that TV and just putting it up and seeing 
how it feels in a normal environment because I think that it stands on its own. It's It's got beautiful little stands, the Sony one. So I'm a big fan of that. Just moving out of the TV sphere then, and, and one of the big themes of the show was the smart home. And um, one of those great, one of the great things about this show, and again, we'll talk about it shortly, is the, is the fact that it's built for retailers as well. Belkin did a great thing with their stand, and they built like a mini house, um, a little lounge room kitchen, all in one basic space. But it was able to demonstrate for me and for everyone else there, what the Wemo range of products was doing. We've talked about the Wemo lights and switches and stuff like that before, but to see things like garden lights, track lights, and then sensors, um, the tags that you could carry around, uh, sensors in the in the corner of the room, um, and fire, smoke alarm detectors, uh, a range of products that I actually think can take us to the next level of smart home. So I... I Big credit to the Belkin uh, product range yeah. on the Wemo. Uh, I agree. I agree with that one, hundred percent. And um, the, their sensor range there really takes the Wemo line just to the next level. It allows you to do a little bit more, let let you set different rules and have different outcomes. So absolutely, yeah. That that's it, you're right. It was pretty widespread theme of the show. This Internet of Things, as it was called. But when you're seeing companies like Samsung and LG and all the major players. Uh, getting involved in that. It, it's been talked about for years, mm. but finally now it seems like it, we're going to actually see things happen. And, and uh, it, that was absolutely evident at CES this year as well. And uh, I think another product for mine that stood out, in fact, I answered a question about it on 2GB today. A, a listener rang in and wanted to know what is a good wireless uh, security camera? Yeah. And I immediately thought of the Netgear's new Arlo, which is we we, uh, we spoke about last week. Uh, the new wire-free cameras, they're calling it, because you can get rid of the cable between the camera and your modem, and you can also get rid of the cable to the power. So they're, they're battery-operated, and that means you can place them in any position you want without having to worry about there being a PowerPoint nearby. And often... Mm high in the corner of a room near the ceiling, that's not usually the first place that you put a PowerPoint in when you're building a home uh, or outside in similar positions. So uh, I think that that's going to be a really popular product once it's released in March. Uh, and another one of the show the uh, products that I thought stood out uh, in Vegas this year. The the next one I'll give you in the normal category before I give you one fun one is is the drones. I did drone on about it a bit last week, I know, but <laughs> I, I was a little bit blown away by the number of drones that were present there. I thought a lot of them um, very cheap. Um, didn't really feel like they're going to offer great quality. And I worry about them hitting the market, but there was a couple there that were weren't a bad quality. And I think that there's definitely a couple of of drones that are going to challenge DJI and the Phantom for you know their market share, not supremacy, but certainly their share. And it just was very evident to me that there are going to be a lot more people flying drones um, in Australia in, in 2015. I, I don't think anyone could argue with that, could they? No, not at all. I think we, we saw the same. We've seen the same thing over the last few years with 3D printing. There was a little pocket of 3D printers, say, two or three years ago in the South Hall. Now they've got a whole section to themselves. They've got almost a complete aisle to themselves. And I think drones this year were was similar similar kind of action happening there, where there there was a, there was a spot. Uh, sections in the South Hall there where they were almost next to next door to each other, all the drone manufacturers. Mm. And drones of all shapes and sizes, I think, 
people people see the drones that say that the ones that you and I fly, and they're, they're, you know, they're, they're a couple of thousand dollars. But the drones that we saw at CES were were small enough to fit in the palm of your hands and probably going to cost less than a hundred bucks. That that have a similar ability to fly and can be controlled either with your phone or with a dedicated controller. Mm. But uh, yeah, I, I, I that, that, that's what re- reminded me that it, it's that that it really sprouted up from nowhere this year. Uh, and I think next year you're going to see even more. And the fact that these some of these drones, I think we mentioned a couple, are going to be come through uh, some some electrical retailers this year. That's just testament to how how quickly they've grown. But uh, other things that I that I looked at, I, I quite liked the uh, the CES unveiled. Uh, that was the show before the show, if you like. And there were some pretty quirky products that we saw there. Again, similar themes. But a couple that stood out for me, I really like the uh, the three hundred and sixty degree high definition camera, the gyroptic, mm. and, and what it is, it's you can either put it on top of a of a, a, a monopod or a selfie stick, whatever you want to do, or you can actually screw it into a light bulb fitting, so you get true three sixty degree video mm. that can mm. be viewed on on a device, and you can literally just scroll. 360 degrees around what you're viewing so you can look at the video when it's the forward part of the video and you can scroll back to the part of just look at what was filmed behind you so they gave a great example of a uh, someone riding a roller coaster and you could actually scroll through the the video to see what was being shot all at the same time i think that that's going to make for some pretty cool action videos uh, in when it comes out. And that worked hand in hand with the whole virtual reality thing too because you've got those goggles coming everywhere and maybe those uh, cameras can help uh, you know film stuff that people can view through those kind of goggles. Uh, for me, two other little things that, that I thought were, were fun and very interesting. The, the WeGo was a thing I found on nearly the last day there. It was, a, it was a portable battery pack for your mobile phone, hundreds of those around there, but this one had jump starters for your car. Now, it is a bit stupid, right? But then you think about it, how hard it is to jumpstart your car. You've got to find another car. You've got to make sure you jump a leaks. This thing you can keep in your glove box. And without anyone else being around, you can jumpstart your car. So it can recharge your mobile phone or and or it can jumpstart your car. I just so think... If you, break, if you break down in the desert, you can not only have make sure you can make a phone call if there is a signal, but you mm. can also jumpstart the car as well. Correct. So handy. Yep, handy. handy. And uh, and the last one I'll give you, is Stephen, is the is the ring. Not the uh, the gesture one that you uh, love, but the doorbell. Uh, the idea of a doorbell, simple, easy to install. I think it's two hundred bucks. Uh, whack it on the front door, front uh, you know, front of the house. And when instead of instead of there being a ding dong in the house that uh, rings, your mobile phone beeps at you like an email notification. And in fact, you can then see who's at the door. Uh, fun little product which has great potential once you start integrating with things like the the Wemos, the Arlos, and the Kivos of the world, uh, those being smart home products, whether you can unlock the door, turn on a light, turn on another camera to record. Very interesting little product given what it could do for the connected home. Yeah, I think my last one, I, I quite liked the uh, the Casio FR10, you know, the camera that you can take, the, the you can, you can yeah. actually, re- the, the removable the lens. Yeah. So it's pretty versatile in how you can use it. Uh, you know, it can be worn on your body. I think that that sort of leads into sort of the number of wearables uh, at the show, not only the activity bands, but, you know, that we, we saw the, the smart belts and we saw the rings and all, this, all these kinds of devices that can actually be worn on your body that are all smart devices. But now that, that Casio camera, if you, if you want to capture what you're doing, whether it's action or you're just taking your normal photography, 
it's quite versatile. I, I, I had a look at that pretty closely on the stand and uh, looking forward to that coming out in Australia. Uh, you can read about all of our uh, different reviews and thoughts at uh, techguide.com.au and my site eftm.com.au. Stephen, so many things still in our back pockets there to, to continue writing about and talking about over the weeks ahead on, on the websites. Um, but good to look back on CS. In, and, you know, before, I think we're going to talk in a minute about, you know, what CS really means. But for me, it was interesting. The first couple of days, I got a sense that the kind of distant media was talking about it being a bit of a flop. No, I think it was one of the best CESs thus far because it was so broad. It wasn't just about one thing. Yeah, and uh, I agree. I think that there, there were definite themes to the show, as there usually is. But in CESs gone by, and I've been to a few of them now, it's that there's never today. There's not just one or two products that stand out. Like, mm. but back back years ago when technology was still developing i can remember when it when the big thing was full high definition at, at ces you know hey we've got the world's first full high definition plasma or whatever it was these breakthroughs were still being made now i think that we've kind of seen most of all, all the companies can can their, their, their technology is almost on par in terms of the what they've achieved in resolution and quality and all those sorts of things i think it's what you can do with it now that they're, they're all that that's going to be the differentiator so it's not just one company making a better quality product than the other but you're actually using it in a, in a more a more enjoyable and interactive and immersive way that's i think the the whole story they have to tell rather than just a one-out product that, 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 to me, seemed to be what CES, uh, where it's heading in terms of not just it being, here's a big TV and here's another big, cool product, of it, but never the twain shall meet. It's all about telling one story that actually each product leads into the next. That was CES for me this year in 2015. Let us know what you think was uh, the pick of the show. Uh, Ziggy Zaggy, the hashtag on Twitter, at Trevor Long, at Stephen Fennick with a PH. We'd love to know what you think, uh, given what you heard from us, what you saw on our sites, or what you saw elsewhere. Uh, your best of CES on Two Blokes Talking Tech. Now, you, we, we've been discussing products at CES for all oh, the past week and a half now, and People have to understand that the Consumer Electronics Show isn't just a bunch of journalists that fly into Vegas for four or five days and write about all these different products. Of course, that, that's part of it. But you, you probably need to remember that the majority of attendees at CES are not only the companies themselves, but also a lot of retailers, uh, a lot of buyers, a, a lot of people who whose decisions are made at the show on what their stores or what their businesses or what their distributors mm. are going to be uh, going to be manufacture are going to be buying and ordering uh, throughout 2015. So when you're walking through your JBs and your Harvey Normans and your your Dick Smith Dick Smiths and all these other stores, the choices of what's going to be on the shelf were made at this show that we were that we've just returned from. So a lot of deals done there. Uh, it, of course, everyone loves to get space, you know, press, and, and, and all these attention. But I think the deals that are done are going to determine exactly what we're going to see. And, of course, uh, we're, we're, we were doing the same sort of job that the retailers and buyers were doing themselves. It was their job to go out and find the next big hit products. Um, so I think that, that that kind of gives people an idea of the scale of CES uh, why, why it's held at the start of the year 
and just just the sheer enormity of, of the money that's going to be changing hands here, the deals that are done. Yeah, I spent a bit of time last week trying to explain that to to radio stations. This is this is a trade show. This is one hundred and sixty thousand attendees. Only three and a half to four thousand of which are media. The rest of them are Harvey Norman, Bingley, JB Hi-Fi, even Telstra. You know, companies that have retail presences or have an interest in technology have people there scouring the floor for products. That's why there's so many people selling portable batteries. That's why there's so many people selling iPad covers. They're trying to get a market. They're trying to get a retail outlet mm. in other countries, and uh, it is huge. And, and and the scale of it is. Really hard to convey, but the the one final example I'd give is, you know, I spent a lot of time in the convention center, at the convention center. I stayed next door to the convention center. I didn't even get to the Las Vegas Strip. There are casinos along the Las Vegas Strip that have huge casinos in them, have huge shows in them, but also have convention space that was filled up with, uh, you yeah. know, whether it's a little startup style area. In mm. fact, 3D printing was entirely off, uh, was entirely on the strip, not at the convention center this year. That's right. Yeah. The, the, the Sands, I think of the Venetian, there were a couple other venues and even companies, well, well Netgear was another one, the companies that decide they're not going to take show space, but they're going to actually uh, buy out, rent out a whole hotel or a whole floor of a hotel and display their stuff in there and then make appointments and, and meeting times. I had, you remember when the iPhone first came out, I had Agent 18 iPhone 6 cases and I had 18 or 20 of them. They were, they were very nice cases. They were they, they were doing meetings in a, in a hotel room four doors down from mine. That's where people would go <laughs> to meet with them, see their product range and do the deals. Simple yeah. as that. Uh, CES is about deals. Yeah, and, another uh, thing too, and I'm sure you've had this as well, when you were talking to some of those smaller vendors, how many of them thought you were a distributor? Oh, they thought, "Oh, you're looking." They hear your Australian accent. They said, "Oh, are you, you wanting to distribute our product in Australia?" And I said, "No, no, I'm a, I'm a journalist. I show my press badge." But that is another thing too, where distribution rights. Uh, and a friend of mine who actually well, that I bumped into at the show is an Australian that's been living in the US. He, he worked for a, a particular company, and now he's actually on the services side. He's on the distribution side, and even that is a massive area where uh, the, the flow of products into certain countries are determined also by these sorts of deals that are made yep, just through yep. the distributors. And if you have a uh, relative that works in the um, retail buying or um, you know any, any of that sort of game, just remember what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas because uh, <laughs> I don't want to break it to you, but some of the deals are done off the show floor. That's yes, all I'm going to say. It, uh, let's just uh, say, that apart from what happens in Vegas, stay in Vegas. The uh, motto for those kind of fellows is "Go hard or go home." As well, they really a lot understand. of lot of four a.m. five a.m. mornings for uh, the the poor um, companies trying to get distribution deals across the world. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. Uh, that is a wrap on CES 2015. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fenwick. And we do this each and every week. Thanks to the good people at Netgear, and don't forget the Netgear Ready NAS solutions. These are your files fully protected, ready to go. You're easily creating a private and personalized cloud for protecting and accessing your photos, videos, and files. Uh, this is a like a mini computer. sits in your home, sits on your network, and it'll automatically back up a new PC. It'll sync folders between the Ready NAS and PCs. It even has Time Machine support for Macs. And, you know, you can stream and share photos, music, movies, um, all using the powerful media server that can be built into it, either Plex, iTunes, or DLNA. It has a high-performance processor built into it, drag-and-drop um, file access, and a free mobile app. So wherever you are in the world, you can see your data on your Netgear ReadyNAS. It's a great solution for the for the mid-level home that's really starting to get packed full of 
devices and but full of content. Look at a ready-nass solution from Netgear, and you can check them out at netgear.com.au. Now, today, Stephen, we saw something very, very important. We saw the, the first really big deal done for Australia on the Apple TV. Now, I may be making too much of this, but let's remember, an Apple TV is a $108 item. You buy it on an Apple store, you take it home, you plug it into power, internet, and HDMI, and you've got a world of content at your fingertips, except other than iTunes, music and movies and, and videos, it really was limited in the content. Some great content there, but really felt American. You know, you, you had to have an American account to get Netflix. You had to have, you know, an MLB account if you had wanted to get into baseball. Cricket Australia today announced um, they were launching an app that would be on Apple TVs as of today, which would allow you to access news, highlights, videos, archive footage from cricket games being held in Australia. I think it's a great deal for cricket, but it's an even better deal for Apple TV owners because, trust me, it's a sign of many more such deals to come. I didn't realise there were so many sports on Apple TV. We're talking Major League Baseball, American Football, Ice Hockey, Basketball, Professional Wrestling, UFC, Ultimate Fighting. Cricket's just the latest addition to that, that, that collection. Now, we should make it clear that we're not talking live cricket here. Those no. rights still are with the free-to-air, like Channel 9, I think Channel 10 have the... the the Big Bash and all those other forms of cricket. So you're not going to get a ball-by-ball live cricket coverage through Apple TV, but you still get a wealth of content, though. The amount of content, including highlight packages, news, uh, rare footage from the archives, uh, even, even even tutorial videos, which are great for young kids who want to, want to, who are into their cricket and want to get even better. Uh, that It is a terrific source of... Uh, of info and content, and that you can, the beauty of it having on Apple TV is there's no need to hunch over a computer. You can actually watch it on the best screen in your home, the TV in your lounge room. And for me, this is an indicator of things to come. Obviously, when Netflix launches, which uh, according to techguide.com.au will be March 31, you know that, that app will become available to Australians. Uh, you will find uh, potentially things like Stan, the, the Nine and Fairfax thing, becoming available there. You may even find free-to-air networks with their um, catch-up services on Apple TV. So this is not going to be the, the, the end. This is the start of something very big in terms of content for Australians. I know, and I had plenty of people going at me today on Twitter saying, you've always been able to get cricket on the Apple TV because if you've got a US account, there's a thing called, I don't know, Willow. I mean, <laughs> the average Australian, 90% yep. of Australians who have Apple TV don't have US accounts. They're just Absolutely. logging on and buying movies and music. 98% of them don't have it. Probably. Yeah. I, was, I was trying to be generous yeah. to the, to the yeah. narcs. But um, but you know it, it, this is a big deal for Aussies because it is it has been a bit limited in content other than the pretty much the Apple iTunes stuff. Yeah, and, and I think too, uh, depending on how tightly Telstra, because I think Telstra got digital rights to the NRL and AFL. Uh, there, I reckon there'd be there may be potential for something happening there as well. I think once these rights lapse, then you never know what can happen there. Well, you don't know that Telstra aren't, aren't building those same apps because they have. Well, the Telstra rights. will limit it to their T box. Telstra will keep it for T box. They won't offer it to Apple TV. That's for sure. Yeah, I don't know about that, mate. I think that Telstra's um, becoming smart enough to realise that they, they make money any way they can. Uh, and you know, signing up, for example, the the the, the NRL. Uh, streaming options uh, during last year, you know, at a paid price, mate. If people are prepared to pay, yeah. um, they may be prepared yeah, to sell Yeah, you can watch it on your iOS device, I suppose. You didn't have to have a, uh, a, a T-Box to do that. But, mm. yeah, that, that, that's absolutely potential there. 
And, uh, yeah, yet another choice of sporting content uh, on Apple TV. Hopefully the start of things to come and uh, just another good reason to make the $108 investment in Apple TV. I'll just, uh, if you, even if you don't have Apple devices in your home, if you have no way of consuming movies in your home, get an Apple TV. I mean, it's, it's seriously such a great way to watch movies. But, and I digress slightly here, but remember, we are 44th in the world with internet speed, so you do need a reasonable connection to do a lot of the good streaming content or downloading of content, because remember, an Apple TV has no hard drive. It's all streamed. So um, just think about your internet connection for a bit before you uh, go jumping into the world of streaming content. But um, Cricket Australia on the Apple TV, as of today, uh, you're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. With Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Well, during our CES, there was a little issue between a couple of companies. And the, let's just say one of the companies involved is Polaroid. Now, they unveiled a new device at CES called the Selfie Smartphone, which Polaroid, being a well-known photography company, uh, having a selfie smartphone, everyone thought, wow, what a great idea. Everyone, that is, except Oppo, thought it was a good idea because they've basically accused Polaroid of ripping off the well-known Oppo N1, which I've reviewed on Tech Guide, which you've seen as well, Trevor. You went to Singapore earlier this year with their, or last year, I should say, with Oppo. They kind of patented that little, that was their design, the, the swivel camera that could be facing forward, could be facing backwards like a normal camera, can capture those selfies. So they've taken issue, and, and if you've seen, I'm going to put up a story tomorrow on Tech Guide with the two, the two products side by side. They are virtually identical. So it, it is unusual, Oppo being a Chinese company accusing, it's normally the other way around, the Chinese company's ripping off a design, but in this case, it's the Chinese company that's been ripped off. Yeah, because it's not, this is the thing, you know, sometimes these things are a bit, you really think that's your idea, because, you know, the rotating camera front to back, I mean, it's not, I mean, I'm sure they have a patent or whatever, but it's not rocket science to think of that these days with the selfie world, but seriously, the actual casing of that top end of the phone looks almost identical i mean it literally looks like they, they went oh why don't we do that and someone just went oh right you want that not you know come up with a solution it's a very yeah. interesting little little situation yeah you'd, you'd think that polaroid would have maybe gone to some effort and say look you know tweaking the design a little just just so they can say look it is there's a point of difference there they look identical and, and no wonder oppo yeah you know, it has, hasn't it's not taking this lying down they're really going to go forward with some action against them mm. uh, they're looking at you know further legal action is the official line from the company but uh whether the Polaroid selfie phone makes it to market or not could well be determined by this potential lawsuit. Well, I'm sure the first buyer of the Polaroid uh, selfie phone is someone from Oppo, uh, seeing whether or not they can <laughs> they can get their hands on it to take enough photos and analyse it for their legal action, should that be forthcoming. Um, but as you say, uh, check out the photo side by side uh, tomorrow. That'll be Thursday on techguide.com.au. Two blokes talking tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Now, Stephen, a lot of feedback on the Ziggy Zaggy hashtag from people uh, wondering what's ha- the show's gone off the rails. I mean, sure, we're together. <laughs> sure, we're doing a show every day. Sure, it's a lot of content. Sure, it's the most informative coverage of CES ever recorded in the history of Australian media. But <laughs> where's the minute reviews? I mean, this is almost bordering on outrage. It it hasn't been, and I say this without you know playing it down. It it was last year that you did a minute review. I mean, can you That's believe right. that? Well, I'm going to make up for that today. Trevor. All right, we'll, we'll make up for it with a product that I took to CS, and I think you did as well. 
uh, from Kensington, and I actually have it on my table right now charging four smartphones with one device. Absolutely. The Kensington four-port USB charger, yes, it was in the suitcase at CES. Yes, I did make use of every single USB port. It allows you, it's, I call it like a power board for USB. So there's four USBs on this device, one connection to your PowerPoint. So rather than you having to take separate chargers for all your devices, you can take just the Kensington four-port charger and charge four products at the same time. And they've got enough output for you to charge a tablet uh, and other larger devices as well as your smartphones. The, uh, it's essential, I think, a tool for travelers. Price at ninety nine ninety five. Well worth it if you're a traveller or if you're just sick of seeing all of the plugs in all along on a power board, just really making it look ugly. The Kensington four-port USB charger can solve that problem. $99.95. All 2.1 amp uh, output, so a very good little product from Kensington. Check it out at techguide.com.au. Now, I had a caller this week on Your Tech Life talking about his home entertainment system, looking at a new TV, and he had. I asked him how many HDMI things he had, like how many devices, because maybe he could look for a TV that had a large number. He had five or six, and that made me think, universal remote. And, Stephen, you've reviewed probably, one, probably one of the best in the business, the Logitech Harmony Ultimate One. This is a cool new product, and it's not uncommon to see a collection of remote controls on a coffee table for your TV, your Blu-ray player, for your set-top box, all your audio equipment. It's not hard to accumulate remote controls. Well, not only can the Logitech Ultimate Harmony Ultimate One replace all of them, it can it can control up to 15 devices at once. Uh, it's got a touch screen. It's also got physical buttons. But apart from just being a controller that can do everything, you can also uh, set activities. So you, if you, you can program the remote control to, if you have one of your activities is watch Blu-ray disc, you can program the remote, and it's, it's really simple to do, to turn on all of the devices that are required, put the TV into the right, on the right output, and you're ready to go, literally with one touch. And, and similarly, you can do that when you want to listen to music or play your PlayStation or whatever you want to do. It's very simple to program, very simple too to find the products through Logitech's huge online database so that it learns all the commands. Even the ones you don't have on the database, if you've got the original remote control, you can actually teach the Harmony all those commands. It, it put, just takes you through a few, uh, few little screens that you need to press certain buttons on the remote and it will then learn the whole thing. Really handy if you want to control everything with one remote. Uh, and let's face it, we've all got plenty of them in our lounge rooms and in our home theatres. The Logitech Harmony Ultimate One, it's priced at $249 and worth every dollar if you want that added convenience. Full review at techguide.com.au. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. With Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. That's a wrap. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading episode 191. And thanks to Netgear for their support. Stephen, we'll be back again next week. Uh, everyone, just calm down. It's a weekly thing throughout the year, okay? It's not a daily thing. <laughs> if you just joined us uh, for, as a new listener last last week, I know it's a lot of Stephen and Trevor, but just once a week, okay? Uh, we'll yeah. be back again next week, Stephen, and you'll be churning away at the great website, techguide.com.au. Just quickly before we go, Stephen, um, why don't you tell uh, listeners about the, the trade-in program that you launched recently on Tech Guide? 
Yes, I will. Yeah, just before Christmas, we launched a new feature on Tech Guide that allows you, if you've got old products uh, just laying around, allows you to trade them in. Now, if you click through on the uh, the through the ads on Tech Guide Tradings, you're taken through to another site that allows you then to search and value your product. So if you've got a mobile phone, for example, you can find the, the brand and the model, and then just a couple of a couple of clicks away, you can tell about, tell, tell us about the condition, uh, and then you'll, you'll receive a price valuation. And if you choose to go ahead with it, you get a free shipping label, or we can send out a free satchel, so you can put it in uh, into, into that, uh, pack it all up, and send it all off for nothing. Once you get once that arrives back uh, at, at the uh, at headquarters, there they were uh, they we they take a look at the products and send you an email, and then tell you when your money is on the way. So great way to offset the new purchase. You can trade in the old purchase. So old devices, turn them into sold devices. Find the link at techguide.com.au. Stephen, we'll be back again next week with episode 191. I shall talk to you then. I will. Thanks, mate. Talk to you then. 